2020 started out as the 11th year of the longest economic expansion since World War II. Stocks were doing great. But you probably didn't know that 2020 was going to turn into one of the most pivotal years in the 21st century. In January, the world was watching Davos 2020. A very cordial welcome to the 50th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. At Davos, I envisaged creating a global village, encouraging interaction between all stakeholders of global society, from governments to business, from civil society to the young people. According to a McKinsey report, many at Davos had a positive outlook of 2020. That didn't go very well. The World Economic Forum focused on some key areas during the conference. Climate change was firmly established as a C-suite problem. We see a lot of executives making climate change promises and clearly making it a priority. Any plan or policy of yours that doesn't include radical emission cuts at the source starting today is completely insufficient. Artificial intelligence was also discussed. Both excitement and fear was in the air with regards to its potential. You know, I've said this before, AI is one of the most profound things we are working on humanity, uh, as humanity. It's more profound than fire or electricity or any of the other bigger things we have worked on. Uh, It has tremendous positive sides to it, but, you know, it has real negative consequences. You know, when you think about uh, technologies like facial recognition, it can be used to benefit. It can be used to find missing people, but it can be used for mass surveillance. The one overarching theme was the solidification of stakeholder capitalism. Capitalism, as we have known it, is dead. And this obsession that we have with maximizing profits for shareholders alone has led to incredible inequality and a planetary emergency. Stakeholders for a cohesive and sustainable world. Corporations will now focus on stakeholders rather than stockholders. Many sessions covered the breakdown in trust, probed globalization's shortcomings, and underscored the need for companies to think not only about investors, but also the planet, employees, and the communities in which they operate in. I think we all understand the why by now. In fact, the challenge is not the why, but how. What wasn't discussed too much was the rise of a novel coronavirus. In early 2020, what was thought to be another normal year, COVID-19 came into the mix. In the early months of 2020, We'd question the seriousness of this virus, ask people near us what their thoughts were, and even joked about it through memes as a coping mechanism to try and stay positive. As the spread widened and people's fear began to grow, we all began to assess its impact on our well-being, jobs, and future. 
Amidst all of this, the stock market was actually cruising along. The S&P 500 was at all-time highs. This was literally two months after the first official case. So it seems like the market didn't price in the risk. But in March 2020, we saw one of the most dramatic stock market crashes in history. And the expectation and fear is that we will see markets in free fall this morning here in the U.S. as they have done in the global markets already. In barely four trading days, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged almost 26%. The S&P 500 plunged about 35% within six weeks in the spring. The fastest ever fall from record levels into a bear market as governments imposed strict quarantines on their populations and ordered the shutdown of the bulk of business activity to counter the spread of this unknown contagion. Every single government on the planet announced plans of how to fight the virus and implemented worldwide shutdowns that would halt all economic activity. So beat stocks were hit hard. Beach corresponds to the bookings, entertainment and live events, airlines, cruises and casinos, hotels and restaurants, basically all the types of industries that were breeding grounds for this virus. Some of them like oil, real estate and hospitality lost more than 50% of their value. Businesses all over the world started to think, how would they survive? Since most of the businesses were prohibited from remaining fully operational during the imposed quarantine, they chose to adjust their labor costs by laying off employees. This in turn led to sharp reduction in consumption and economic output. Close to $332 billion of value had been reduced in less than a month and the unemployment rate spiked to almost 25%. Borrowing was at an all-time high companies would borrow so aggressively to try and stock up for the dry season. Amidst all of this borrowing, there was a record number of jobless claims. A month from the announcement of the global pandemic, 22 million jobless claims had been filed. People were losing their jobs and their sanity. The government got together and also signed the biggest stimulus package the world had ever seen, $2 trillion. The CARES Act was meant to help give aid to all parts of the economy that were choking, including you. Three months into 2020, it was looking so negative. Even oil decided to go negative on us. At the Federal Reserve, we are committed to using our full range of tools to support the economy in this challenging time. In March, we quickly lowered our policy interest rate to near zero. The Fed cut interest rates to near zero and outlined plans to lend billions of dollars across markets to stop the carnage. That helped make the market's recovery almost as jarring as the incredible crash in March of this year. The S&P 500 came storming back up almost 15% by the end of the year. An epic journey during one of the most catastrophic economic collapses in American history. A big factor in this recovery has been big tech. So Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, the FANG M stocks 
recently made up about 25% of the S&P 500. Think about it, five companies make up a quarter of the index. No wonder it came storming back as the big cap tech stocks were up big this year. The gap between the stock market's winners and losers is stark and growing. On one hand, you have the old economy, which comprise of oil, financials, real estate, that just can't seem to catch a break. And then you have everything tech that has benefited from societal changes forced by the pandemic and are increasingly influential in the market today. And investors are betting this influence will grow as Americans continue working from home and shopping and streaming movies online. A prime example was Zoom. As work went remote, the video conferencing software Zoom's market cap had skyrocketed to eclipse the top seven airlines by revenue combined. This increase in wealth is really not representative of the entire economy. The COVID-19 pandemic ravaged small businesses across the world with tens of thousands of small businesses closed, leaving more market share gains to the larger corporation. One appalling stat is that just one in five small businesses will be able to make it past the pandemic. And that sums up the unequal world we live in today. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel in what has been a crazy 2020. In an incredible collaborative effort, companies such as BioNTech, Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca have been able to create and manufacture the COVID-19 vaccines with an incredibly high efficacy rate. It was assumed that the vaccine would be at best 40 or 50% effective, but for it to have a 95% efficacy is quite astonishing and a testament to what humans are capable of doing with real grit and collaboration. The mass distribution of COVID-19 vaccines is underway in many countries. More than 1.9 million people in the US have gotten the vaccine already, 500,000 in UK, and Canada just about received the first doses last week, with around 30,000 administered till this day. Twenty twenty highlighted the weaknesses of our economy, but also revealed the extent of the capabilities of our ingenuity and innovation. If you've been listening to our episodes, we've talked to so many founders that showcase the brilliance of the human species. In a startup space in particular, founders have had to become more versatile, more resilient, and truly exceptional to survive, and in some cases, even thrive in this environment. Our community is no exception. Things Have Changed was founded in 2020 and is built upon the challenges that 2020 had to offer. Me, Adrian, and Shikar have learned so much from doing this work. I think it's fair to say that it's been quite enjoyable. Through the data, we've seen that our audience spans the globe, which is fascinating because the THC team comes from all over the world as well. Hey, this is Adrian. My parents were born in Poland and immigrated here into the US about 30 years ago. In the time that they raised me here in the US, they took it upon themselves to teach me the language, culture, and traditions that they thought were so important to them growing up in Poland. Hi, I am Jed. I was born and raised in a town called Las Piñas in the Philippines. I moved to this country in 2011 as an immigrant 
I have learned so much since then, but still keep my values from the Philippines and embody the Filipino culture. Hey, I'm Shikhar. I was born and brought up in Bangalore, India, and moved to the US to do my master's about five years ago. Conversations that I have on THC is largely through a personal lens of how would this idea or trend work in emerging markets across the world. It's been an absolute pleasure learning and growing with the Things Have Changed community, and I cannot wait for what's in store in 2021. Thank you for listening to our stories and for being a part of the THC community. We're so excited for what 2021 will bring. From our family to yours, happy holidays.